football fans. It's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. Yes, here we go with the latest edition of the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to the little guy. To the guy that's not supposed to hang in, much less win. We love those underdogs, and we love the fact that you have found us on Three Dog Thursday. Time to talk some college football and some NFL with a great lineup of guests. Love talking with some regulars and a first-timer making an appearance on the podcast, a very familiar voice, a name and a voice that you're going to know here in a little bit. I am your somewhat capable host, full confession. I have gotten back from Seattle, Washington with my NFL team and my NFL broadcasting job, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers radio assignment. We have now completed, it's an odyssey. I keep talking about it on all the shows that I go on, where the Bucks have not played a home game at Raymond James Stadium since September. We're talking about going to Los Angeles and coming back to Tampa, going to New Orleans and coming back to Tampa, then going to London, England and coming back to Tampa, then taking a bye week, but staying away from playing games in Tampa and going to Nashville and back to Tampa. And then now to Seattle and back to Tampa, 20,000-plus air miles. And yet here we are. Now the Bucs get ready to play the Arizona Cardinals at home. And we'll be talking a little bit about that game much later in the podcast with one of our handicappers, one of our prognosticators going against my Buccaneers. Find out about that. In a little bit. All right, so much to get to, uh, including that titanic LSU-Alabama game that we will be talking about. I like a couple of college underdogs. I did hit on Florida Atlantic last week. Sean Green uh, came through with the Virginia Tech Hokies. Sean also had my Buccaneers, plus the 6.5. Midweek, they were getting 6.5, and they did cover against the Seattle Seahawks despite the overtime loss. And being out in Seattle and watching Russell Wilson at field level, I'm going to talk much more about this as the podcast unfolds, but he's something else. Uh, More on that in a little bit. Uh, All right, so uh, we're going to talk everything from instant replay in the NFL to the firing of Willie Taggart, the Florida State coach. Who are the Knowles going to get now as the head coach as Taggart lasted only one season and eight games? An awful performance against Miami last Saturday sealed his fate at home. So lots lots of speculation about who that coach is going to be. We're going to discuss it with our special guest. We're going to be joined by Gary Seegers of the Winning Cures Everything podcast. He and Chris Giannini, fantastic job talking uh, everything from favorites to underdogs to under-over totals in college football and the NFL. They've been doing this for numerous years. I love Winning Cures, love listening to them. I'm on with them. They're back on with me. So I look forward to talking with Gary in a little bit uh, here about his underdog selections. We'll talk to him about the Florida State situation. He's going to attend LSU and Alabama in Tuscaloosa. So Gary Seeger's coming up uh, here on the podcast. As I mentioned, special guest, first-time guy. You'll know the voice of John Clayton, the professor, great NFL insider, formerly with ESPN, now working in Seattle radio on the ESPN affiliate, 710 ESPN. Had the privilege of seeing John down on the sideline for the Bucks seahawks game. Asked him about coming on the podcast. He said, sure, give me a call. Uh, he's here to talk about Russell Wilson, the Seahawks. I want to talk to him about instant replay uh, and the uh, and the whole pass interference calls, non-calls thing. So 
Uh, we'll talk with him, John Clayton, about all of those subjects in a little bit on NFL football. Then, as I mentioned, Brian Edwards on the program. Uh, Brian, uh, last week picking Virginia Tech to cover against Notre Dame. Uh, I love his insight. The week before, he came up with two other underdogs, Eastern Michigan and Oklahoma State. So three underdogs from him in the last couple of weeks. Brian will be here with some insight on that LSU-Alabama game uh, and what he thinks about that. He's also got a Big Ten underdog that he likes as well. And I'm kind of favoring a Big 12 road doggy here that I want to talk to Brian Edwards about. So stand by for that in our conversation later on in the show. And then Sean Green will close things out. He's done a fantastic job of picking uh, NFL underdogs in particular. He's got two more of those. Plus, he likes uh, an underdog at home in a national television game. So Sean Green of the Sports Gambling Podcast will be here. So love all the different handicappers and John Clayton that are going to be on the show. Want to tell you before we get to the interviews that Three Dog Thursday brought to you in part by Vivid Seats, the Vivid Seats mobile app, and our promo code THURSDAY10 will take you 10% off of that initial order. First-time customers, if you're going to any of these college games this weekend, whether it's that Alabama-LSU game I was looking earlier in the week, the lower-level tickets still somewhere around $400 midweek for a lower-level ticket. You can get the savings with Vivid Seats with our promo code THURSDAY10. Whether you're talking about games in the NFL uh, all across the National Football League, I'll be working that Buccaneers a Cardinals game with the Bucks back at Raymond James Stadium. But any of these NFL matchups, wherever they're taking place, I know the, uh, the Chargers and the Raiders we're going to talk about on Thursday night, uh, that one in Oakland. Uh, the Saints taking on the Falcons, on and on down the list for these different games. Uh, Kansas City, will Mahomes play, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app, your place uh, to go get your tickets. The customer satisfaction guaranteed. Your purchase is 100% secure uh, with Vivid Seats. And again, remember our promo code, THURSDAY10. Take 10% off your order with Vivid Seats if you're a first-time user, up to $50. You'll save up to $50 with 10% off with the promo code THURSDAY10 at Vivid Seats. Let's get to it. Lots of underdogs, lots of conversation. We're ready to roll. It is Three Dog Thursday. Lots of guests upcoming. Uh, plenty of conversation on the college football and NFL doggies. Let's get to it. Yes, indeed. Time to break down the underdogs. Get some knowledge. The Winning Cures Everything podcast and YouTube show. And the guys that are behind that, the the fashion plates, the outstanding prognosticators are Gary Seegers and Chris Giannini. They are gracious to have me on their show. I do the same with alternating with those guys coming in. And Gary Seegers is with me now from Winning Cures. Hey, the good news is that you can't do any worse than Giannini did last week trying to pick some underdogs. You're in good shape right from the jump, my friend, because he was strike one, strike two, strike three, you're out. A rough week for him. So it's good to have you, and we're ready to go back at it this week with some underdog possibilities here. Absolutely, absolutely. Every now and then you're going to have uh, an over, especially when you're trying to pick doggies. <laughs> uh, last week was a, a favorites kind of week, yes. and that's okay. You know, well, you it, guys, it seems, uh, you gave me the stat that in the NFL it was 12 for 12, right? Officially that the underdog didn't cover once. 12 for 12 on the favorites, it was, right? So it wasn't the – we, we went back and double-checked that. It was not 12 for 12 as far as favorites go. 
it was 12 for 12 for home teams. And the majority ah. of those, I think 10 of them were Patriots. Gotcha. So home teams all won and covered last week, which is, you know, definitely strange for this time of year. But, uh, but you're going to have that sometimes, and that's all right. We just get back on the wagon this week. We do. We do. And Chris has picked some winners for us before, and you have as well. And we all try to go about getting one, two, maybe even three right on certain weeks. Uh, here on the program. So I want to get into your prognostications coming up, but we, we've got to talk about two subjects uh, that are humongous right now in college football. I'll get to LSU and Alabama in a second in that mega game that you're actually going to be at in Tuscaloosa for Saturday. So we'll get to that in a moment. First, Florida State, where to begin? Since last uh, we were on Three Dog Thursday, they have ousted, deleted Coach Willie Taggart. Uh, and now the search is on quickly for a replacement for a lot of different reasons. Gary, to you first, your reaction to Florida State doing this. Uh, as we as we said on your show, that can't be the surprise. So I guess I pose it as, were you surprised they did it during the season here and did it after that uh, humbling loss to Miami on Saturday? Well, the way that the college football recruiting schedule has changed, there is no benefit to keeping – once you know you've got a losing hand – you fold it. Chris says that all the time. It rings true here. Uh, that was just a disgusting effort against Miami last week. They look undisciplined. They've got too many penalties. The guys don't look like they're playing for each other or for the co- or for anybody. They they just don't look like a well put together team. And even if you don't have the talent at certain positions, even if you've got you know other things going on, you can still find a way if you are a good coach to get everybody to rally together, and they are just not doing that. They, they don't seem to care. And it's been a season-long issue of Taggart not taking ownership of the football program. Multiple times it has been, you know, one week they'll say, yeah, that's on the offensive coordinator. I don't, I don't make the play calls. And then the next week the offensive coordinator will come out and say, yeah, you know, Willie wanted uh, Hornybrook <laughs> in instead of Blackman. It, it's just nobody's taking ownership, no, and, and that's on the head coach. And, well, and, the and players, you made mention, you know, if I can interject, you uh, made mention of penalties, which have not gotten any better. Giving up sacks, which is the same theme as a year ago, has not gotten any better. I, in talking to so many they different, can't line up. right? Not <laughs> lined up line correctly. Up. These are things that are fixable. And in talking to so many different, not only observers and media people, but just boosters and fans, they're going out of their mind of how are we this fundamentally bad? Eight more games into year two. And I think that's when the administration, the decision makers, finally heard enough of the outcry and said, "You know what? You're right." And that's it. And so now they now they make the move. So again, the next the next part of this is names being bandied about everywhere. Bob Stoops was a juicy rumor. The FSU athletic director Dave Coburn uh, confirmed that's somebody on our list. Whatever that means. Now the list is believed <laughs> to have numerous names on it. Gary, wh- give me a name. Maybe it's two names that you believe are a really good fit for Florida State and realistic for them to hire. Now that's an interesting word, right? Realistic. Um, that is, you, you got to be, you got to be smart about this, because no big name coach is going to come in there with the APR issues, with the uh, the discipline issues, everything. Like Taggart did a good job of getting his guys to go to class and not getting arrested and all that, right? That that's all fine. But the APR issues are something that you're going to have to dig out of. 
Urban Meyer, not realistic. Bob Stoops, not realistic. They're not going to go and steal James Franklin from Penn State. A name that is right in their backyard that I think would fit, and I would love to see this, is Lane Kiffin. And I know that people want to laugh about it and whatever else, but Kiffin has done a really good job at Florida Atlantic. He did great under Nick Saban. He learned a ton about being a head coach from Nick Saban. I I think he's a perfect fit here because he's somebody that is desperate enough for a big job that would actually take it and deal with those boosters and deal with the unreal expectations that are happening down in Tallahassee right now. Well, and there's a couple of different factors. One, he's been recruiting the state of Florida. He's always recruited the state of Florida. Heck, he was recruiting the state of Florida. People don't realize this. When he was out at USC with Pete Carroll, uh, they landed two oh, or yeah. three named players back in the early 2000s with Lane Kiffin helping uh, as, a re- as a recruiter. Uh, so now he's been recruiting Florida at Florida Atlantic down in South Florida, knows the state. Kendall Bryles was with him as an offensive coordinator uh, for a season, and so that would make sense there. I just wonder if there's too much previous baggage from you know dumping Tennessee after one season and taking off. Uh, you know the Oakland Raiders fired him. USC said this is he's not a head coach. USC and Pat Hayden basically said he's not a head coach. He's a play caller. He's an offensive mind. He's not a head coach. And fired him on the tarmac, uh, flying back home oh, yeah. after a road game. So you and believe he, he he's matured. You believe he's matured to overcome that baggage. I just I don't know that Florida State needs uh, any questioning of the hire and any baggage when there's some other candidates that maybe don't have the baggage, uh, Gary, that might want the job. What do you think? And, and you, you might be right. You might be right. Uh, I don't think that they're going to go after Mike Norvell from Memphis. I don't think that they're going to. Uh, Why would they a, not? A Why would in, Nor- in Norvell's case, small buyout has had the success at Memphis. Why do you think they would not go after him just because he's not a fit? You don't think, or why? No, I don't. I don't think it's that. I think it would be a perfect fit. There's, and I don't know what they are. There are reasons why other big name schools did not hire him in the past. It, as successful as he has been, I don't know exactly what it is, uh, but I have heard different things as to why. Uh, why he is not up rumors about baggage he, essentially rumors about baggage yeah, with Mike Norvell would would probably scare off Florida State you think okay so if it's yeah. not Lane Kiffin give me another name that Florida State could realistically grab because I believe on the timeline here you you alluded to it they need this done by the second week of December because that's to hold the recruiting class together for the early signing period they that's why you make the move now to find another coach and hire that coach first week of December or so, so that the recruits know who it is. So, so give me another name besides Lane Kiffin. If if you're not going Kiffin, if you're not going outside the box a little bit, you need somebody that loves Florida State, somebody that understands how it works, that was there when they were winning. Mark Stoops at Kentucky is a perfect fit, absolutely perfect fit. The guy can absolutely recruit. He has done everything he could possibly do at Kentucky. You're not going to get a lot of 10-win seasons at Kentucky. The resources are not there. Right. The uh, the recruiting base is not there. But in Tallahassee, he could absolutely rebuild that defense, bring in the discipline that they so, so badly want. And you know that he's going to be able to win there. I, I think Mark Stoops would be an outstanding fit. It's not the big name. It's not the big uh, splash hire that, that everybody seems to want. But I don't think you're going to find a better fit 
than than Mark Stoops. He was there for four years as the defensive coordinator with Jimbo Fisher before eventually migrating and becoming the Kentucky head coach. And let's be honest, I mean, people can talk about the SEC and can talk about the money. Kentucky is not Florida State. Period. The end. Florida State, fertile ground with all the tradition, easier conference. Uh, with the exception of Clemson, it is wide open for you to immediately be the, the second best team, maybe within a year or two in that conference. And, and you're a hero, and you're getting a raise, and you're getting a raise for your assistance if that's the case. So we'll see. We'll oh, see yeah. how how much Mark Stoops wants it, how much they they want him uh, in in this scenario for Florida State. Anything else, real quick, on that? Uh, no, I think uh, I think that about wraps it up. I mean, I, I'm I'm curious what they're going to do because firing a coach less than two years into his tenure uh, does not look good for other guys that would maybe consider the job. Yeah, Big names another good point that that have other options. So you know, and and if you are going to get those guys, you're going to have to pay an astronomical price for them. And I don't know that Florida State is set up to do that right now. Maybe not, maybe especially with this gigantic buyout uh, that they're having to pay Willie Taggart. You, you got to be smart about this one. You need to rebuild the foundation uh, before you can bring in somebody massive. And that being said, we're going to turn to your underdogs in a moment. I, I like the spot, though, of them relaxing, going on the road. Odell Higgins has been the interim coach before two years ago. Uh, Kendall Bryles now has free reign to kind of run what he wants to run and do what he wants to do this week in this individual spot with Boston College. I kind of like them, Gary. I know we talked about that on your show on the Winning Cures Everything uh, show that uh, that you guys do. Uh, we, we'll see uh, in that early game on Saturday at BC. I know this. They've got to win it uh, to have any shot at a bowl game. They're not beating Florida in the finale at Florida. So if they're getting to six wins, the Boston College win is, is, is essentially the sixth win. Alabama State's the other game that they are going to win. So this this is the game. And I'm, I'm curious to see as an underdog what they look like on Saturday. I do wonder, it's such a, a quick turnaround from finding out that your coach is gone, et cetera. I do wonder uh, how much effort they play with. If, if this bunch comes out and plays lights out this week, it, it just says even that much more about Taggart. Taggart's a good coach. It just takes him a long time to get, uh, to get the program running the way that he wants. And he, he really did this to himself with all the talk about how you know he thought he was going to walk in. What was the quote? It, he thought he was going to walk in and there'd be nothing but turds, but, but the players that he had are actually really good. And I, like he talked up the situation better than it actually was, and, and I think that kind of helped undo him a little bit. Yeah, You know what undid him the most? Losing games. And you guys know that better than anything on the Winning Cures Everything podcast. Gary Seegers is with me. Uh, okay, time to get to some underdogs. First things first, LSU, Alabama. You are going, correct? You are going to be OL on location for this showdown in Tuscaloosa, Bryant-Denny Stadium, Saturday afternoon? I will be in T-Town, and myself and President Trump will be there hanging out, <laughs> doing our thing. Uh, no, the, are you part of his – wait, are you part of his motorcade? Is that your ride into the stadium? Are you going to somehow get in the motorcade in one of the vehicles, or what's going on? <laughs> I'll tell you this, that would be the easiest way to get into the stadium. They uh, they announced yesterday that they are opening the stadium at 11.30. They typically open it uh, two hours before. They are now opening it three hours before to make sure that everybody can get in in time for kickoff. Extra security. Yeah, the, yeah. Oh, security is going to be awful. It's the better FTC than opening it on game. Friday night. Hey, um, everybody just come get in line Friday night because oh, the yeah. security is going to tell you. So it's better, but uh, I understand. Go ahead. 
they are projecting over 200,000 people on campus on Saturday for a stadium that holds uh, 102,000. So it, it's going to be pretty crazy. We're going to get there about 9 a.m. or so. Mm. And, I mean, we'll see how it goes. I, I'm used to, to staying out. We've got a nice tailgate set up. I'll, uh, I'll be able to watch the other games. I do want to watch Penn State and Minnesota. I'm curious about cell reception because I'm going to have to try and get in line uh, before Penn State, Minnesota is done. So, I, you know, there's other games that I want to watch, and I'm just going to have to watch a lot of it on uh, – yeah. on the way back using using my phone and use my the, iPad and everything. Use the technology, <laughs> technology that we have to work. But you're you guys are a little surprised at how large the line is, real quick. So do you dare look at LSU as an underdog in this situation, but what about the line? Now, I'm not going to touch it because there are so many different ways that I could see Alabama winning this by a touchdown. I, I could see Alabama winning by two touchdowns. I could see LSU winning by two touchdowns. I think both teams are almost identical. It's going to be whoever makes the plays, and, and there's no way to know that right now. I, obviously, LSU has played well against big-name competition so far this year, but LSU has not had to play against uh, speed rush the way that they will this week. Terrell Lewis and Anthony Jennings, the Alabama you know, outside linebackers, they are fast, and they, have, they are able to get to the quarterback so quickly. Burrow has not seen that this year. Auburn has got a great pass rush. they got guys that can get to the football, but – they are 300-pound defensive linemen. They are not 240, 250-pound uh, linebackers that you know run a 4-5. It, it's a little bit different setup. Both of these teams like to throw slants. They like to get to the middle of the field, and neither one of them are very good at stopping that. So I'm curious who is going to be able to make more plays. I think Tua is going to be fine. I think this is all overhyped. It is over-dramatic. Uh, dramatized is that the right word dramatized, dramatized all the above uh, i'm with you that's a don yeah. king version of the word i'm with you i love it i love boxing i love don king <laughs> over drama over dramatized is is perfect good yeah yes so i i do think it's going to be a fantastic game if this came down to a field goal neither one of them has a good field goal kicker so i you know <laughs> look out i, I don't know it's, it, it is really two identical football teams and and it's going to be fascinating to watch i'm staying away from it but it is a ton of points because you know, if they are both this good, why would either of them be favored by more yeah. than a field goal? Right. All right. Well, I mean, and, it just doesn't make sense. And we saw the college football playoff ranking. I already alluded to that right at the very beginning of the podcast here. And Alabama not one or two in the ranking they are three but obviously could move up uh, dramatically and may even be the top team if they were to beat LSU uh, in this scenario we will find out so we know you're not going there where are you going for a college underdog do you have a couple of college underdogs what do you like real quick Gary Seegers for three dog Thursday purposes well since we are on three dog Thursday let's talk about a game on Thursday night and it's in your backyard South Florida is hosting Temple Charlie Strong has got this thing turned around a little bit. Uh, South Florida has won three of their last four games, and they are looking good. This kid, Jordan McLeod, the, the freshman quarterback, they, they made the switch. And I got to tell you, uh, they, are, they are able to run the football right now. Uh, and that's the key very what you just rate. hit on yep. right there is the key because McLeod has been banged up injured wrist injured shoulder but they have run the ball effectively when they've won Jordan Cronkite running it that's the key that you're honing in on and you just you I, I know Temple got barbecued by UCF a couple of weeks ago they do have the earlier season win over Memphis which is the Tigers only loss uh but you you like USF here getting the points at home right 
getting getting one and a half, I like them to win the game outright. South Florida, over their last three games, they are number 10 in the country as far as rushing yards per carry. Uh, Temple, in that same span, has not been nearly as good. They On the season, they are number 64, giving up 4.3 yards per rush. And that's just – that's not good enough in this spot. They're, they're giving up 5.2 yards per carry over the last three games. Temple lost their last two big, lost to SMU 45-21, lost to UCF 63-21. Uh, the things that Temple does best are the things that South Florida can defend best and it, it, Temple's offense, not very good. If you if you look at what they do extremely well, Russo is able to throw the football. They're number 60 in the country in passing offense. South Florida is number 12 in passing defense. So you you got two, uh, a rushing offense and a rushing defense that are both in the hundreds. I don't think Temple will be able to run, and I don't think that uh, – I, I don't think South Florida is going to have to worry about that. Temple is going to have to throw the football to win this game and they're not going to be able to do it against this defense. All right, very good. He likes the Bulls on Thursday night. Give me one for Saturday in college football that you like and why, Gary Seegers. Let's go for another disgusting one that uh, that very few people other than degenerates are going to be watching. (laughs) Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky is going to Arkansas. Tyson Helton has got that thing turned around. I am a fan of what he's doing. You know, they, uh, they lost the first game of the season to Central Arkansas. Yes, they and did. Everybody assumed that they were just going to be awful, and they turned around and immediately went through a gauntlet and got some big time wins. I, they they beat FIU. They lose to Louisville, but it was at least respectable. They beat UAB. They beat Old Dominion. They beat Army. They beat Charlotte, and they held a Charlotte team that averages you know damn near forty points a game to fourteen points. Right. You know, they have lost their last two. They lost at Marshall on a on a last second field goal. And then they lost last week to Florida Atlantic. Who I had Atlantic I had FAU was, last yes, week in that really game. Good. But but the argument can be made, I'm helping bolster your case, those are probably the two best teams uh, in Conference USA, Marshall and FAU, so there's yes. no shame in those being your two losses, and one of them was on the road. I don't, I don't think that rules you out from being a good team, and, you, and your point is well taken. They seem to have improved. They are Western Kentucky is better at everything than Arkansas is. Uh, <laughs> Arkansas's rushing offense number ninety nine. Western Kentucky's rushing defense is number thirty eight. So Arkansas probably not going to be able to run the ball. Passing offense, Arkansas number 72. Western Kentucky is number nine in the country in passing defense. Mm-mm-mm. So Arkansas is going to continue to have problems scoring here. Uh, as far as defense, Arkansas is terrible. And Western Kentucky, number 45 passing offense in the country, I think they make enough plays, and this is a big enough game. Western Kentucky understands. Uh, Tyson Helton understands. It, you go and get a win at an SEC team, and that will pay dividends going forward. Sure. San Jose State already pulled it off earlier this year in Fayetteville. Yep. I think Western Kentucky gets the win again this week. If they do, is Chad Morris next in terms of who's getting deleted, like Willie Taggart, like Chris Ash earlier this year with a disastrous job at Rutgers? Uh, because the, the Chad Morris thing uh, came in heavily touted with him coming from SMU, and it's been a disaster, and this would be another disastrous loss that you're laying out for me. Would that pretty much spell the end of Chad Morris in two seasons or less? I think that he could be fired on the sideline. 
if, if they lose this game. <laughs> if they win this game, it still doesn't say much about him, though. I, I think he's done at the end of this year, dependent upon whether or not Jerry Jones and that bunch, all the Tyson Chicken family, uh, whether or not they want to pay his buyout. I think this is a Willie Taggart situation where there has been no improvement. There is nothing to show you after year two that they have gotten any better. And it, it doesn't have to do with the court because they want to blame that they haven't gotten their quarterback in yet. Right. It ain't the quarterback. It is everything. It, it, you, you can't tell me that Arkansas can't be a better football team than this. Even under Brett Bielema, when, when they lost uh, all eight of their SEC games, what was that, three years ago? Yes. They were still at least competitive. And this, this team has not been competitive at all uh, I like Western Kentucky to pull this upset this weekend. Voice of Gary Seegers, another moment or two, Winning Cures Everything podcast. He's going to tell you about how to find that show in a moment. NFL, if I pin you down and say, underdog, where, what team do you like? There is absolutely no reason why the Browns should be favored over the Buffalo Bills <laughs> whatsoever. I understand they are at home, but Baker Mayfield has been atrocious. Freddie Kitchens can't get out of his own way. Uh, I like the Bills plus three here. I, I think people are thinking too much about this. No, the Bills do not have the firepower that the Browns do. I understand that. But the Browns have, have actually gotten worse as the season progresses. And this would not shock me to see Freddie Kitchens lose his job in the middle of the year. Uh, they still got to play Pittsburgh twice. You know, they, it, it's, it's not a difficult slate, but if you're going to go on the road – and lose to the Denver Broncos, who are starting basically a scout team quarterback. Mm. I think Josh Allen will be able to make enough plays, and I think this defense will know what to do uh, with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry and Nick Chubb and that bunch. If you stop Chubb, you stop their their offense. And the Bills are as perfectly set up as anybody in the National Football League to be able to shut down somebody's running game. Uh, I'm I'm all in. I'm all in on the Bills. I think they win the game outright. Uh, give me, give me the plus three with Buffalo. And and Buffalo for the first time since 1993 is six and two. They were in the Super Bowl, obviously, with Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, uh, all the, uh, Andre Reid, uh, Daryl Talley, all those guys. Marv Levy is the coach. It's amazing that that's now been 26 years ago. So they they played good complimentary football. They were tough on defense last week on the Redskins. Let's see what happens in that matchup with the Bills getting three against the Cleveland Browns. And, and nobody talks about Sean McDermott, the head mm-hmm. coach of the Bills. He is a fantastic head coach. What he has been able to do since he took over there is nothing short of miraculous. I mean, he had the Bills in the playoffs with Tyrod Taylor at quarterback a couple of years ago. Like it, it, Nobody ever thinks about that, but he is an outstanding standing coach uh if this were demonstrating it he would have gotten a bigger job by now yeah he's demonstrating it right now that's for sure all right these guys demonstrated on the winning cures everything podcast gary seegers tell them more about how and where they find it listen to it and see you guys you can get us over at winningcureseverything.com of course everything is up over there our youtube our podcasts our social media platforms etc you can get us on facebook you can follow on twitter at winning cures you can get me at gary wce uh, everything is over at winningcureseverything.com. The YouTube page, of course, just search for Winning Cures Everything. It's right there. Hit subscribe. Hit like on some videos. Leave some comments. We love to hear from you. Uh, <laughs> TJ, we always love you uh, letting us on and, and you hopping on with us. It has been a fun football season so far. And 
Good gravy. I mean, we are already in week 11 of college football. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? And the first rankings rankings are out for the college football playoff. We do know this. It's all subject to change. It would not, I say this every year, it would not surprise me if three or all four of those original teams in the top four are out by the time. It it won't probably be that all four of them are out, but at least a couple of them are going to be out. So everybody get ready uh, for the losing, the mayhem, the head-to-head play, and all of that. It's so much fun late in the season. And again, the winning cures everything, guys. Roll out the red carpet for me. I'm doing the same thing with them. Uh, Gary Seegers, good luck with Western Kentucky. USF on Thursday night with Temple. Western Kentucky Saturday at Arkansas. And the Buffalo Bills getting three points with the Cleveland Browns. Good luck with the doggies. Good luck with the show. Thank you for hanging out with me on Three Dog Thursday, sir. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Was thrilled to be part of the game on Sunday. A wild overtime win, 40-34 to by the Seattle Seahawks over my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was a long way to travel once again for the Bucs to suffer heartbreak. But it was really cool to hook up with the professor. You know this guy from all those days at ESPN. He's still out there doing a great job in the Pacific Northwest on 710 ESPN, the affiliate station out there with a midday show, also writing for the Washington Post. Love to get to catch up with John Clayton here on the Three Dog Thursday podcast. Professor, good to have you. Good to be with you. Uh, that was something else Sunday. I know it's almost kind of become commonplace that Russell Wilson uh, works his magic, and that's the word I used with you on the sideline. The guy's a magician. It's almost become commonplace, I guess, for you guys to watch that, but it was something to behold firsthand again to watch him on Sunday. Give me, give me your thought on, on what you saw and what he did. Well, I mean, that's what he's been doing all season, and really he's been doing it for the most part of his career because what ends up happening is that if he's trailing in the second quarter, trailing in the fourth quarter, he just picks up his game, particularly when he gets to the fourth quarter. I mean, you know, I think he's had uh, more fourth quarter comebacks uh, and game-winning uh, drives in overtime than any quarterback in the league since coming into the league since 2012, and he leads the league right now with four, uh, this being the fourth. But that's just the remarkable part about him because, you know, first, his availability is amazing because he's never missed a start. And you go back a couple years ago, he had a high ankle sprain in the opener, and then three weeks later against San Francisco, he gets an MCL sprain, and he still plays through it. And so he's always available. He's picked up his game even more this year because what he started to do in the offseason is that he kind of worked on his core strength in the stomach to make him a better thrower because he's always been an accurate thrower, but he keeps getting better and better and better. And you saw how accurate he is on the long passes. I mean, because he gets the ball out quick. He gets it right in this position where a receiver uh, can just reach over and it's away from the defensive back. And that's the thing that works out so well, whether it's going to be Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, or whoever, he places the ball with such accuracy going deep or going short that it's tough for any defensive back to stop it. Well, well said, and it's it's amazing. I was chuckling. You were saying that he did something to strengthen his core to help him throw better. Like like the rest of the NFL needed him to throw better, John, uh, than what he has been in the past. And I had seen him field level a couple of times. One in that setting, and ironically, I don't know if we ever talked about this on Sunday. Ironically, coincidentally, whichever one is correct, Sunday was the sixth anniversary, November second, twenty thirteen, of the Buccaneers coming to Seattle and having a twenty one nothing lead and Russell Wilson led the comeback and they won the game in overtime and six years later the Bucks led 21-7 in the first half 
And guess who led the comeback and the overtime? Symmetry, John Clayton. That's what it's all about for Russell Wilson. Dude, <laughs> it's amazing. It's the timing of it and, of course, the fact that it was on the same day. That's remarkable. It is. It is. Uh, it's incredible. Uh, hey, here's a fun one for you because you've been covering this league for a long time. Does he remind you, not just playing style, but demeanor, uh, the, the leadership of the team, does he remind you of another quarterback that you've covered over all the years that you've covered the NFL? And if so, who might he remind you of or you compare him to? Uh, you might compare him, I think, to a certain degree to like a Roger Staubach because, uh, you know, he was so calm. Uh, he has always in control. He's always able to make the comebacks and he's able to make the big plays when necessary. So I think that you can think about him in that regard, maybe to a certain degree, Fran Tarkington, because <laughs> of the way that he can scramble and move around and you know avoid tackles and all that stuff. I mean, those are two guys that I think could come to mind that he you can compare him to. And then certainly one of the things, even though you know Drew Brees is not a runner, but uh, <clears throat> he has that calm that Drew Brees has when necessary throwing the football. Yeah, and the touch on the ball is amazing. So you give him a lot of credit uh, and, and give him more credit because he's the NFC Offensive Player of the Week for this week. So uh, the, the Buccaneers, I guess, are partially responsible for that uh, with, uh, with not being able to stop the Seahawks when it mattered uh, the most. You mentioned DK Metcalf, the rookie, uh, watching him at field level. Again, he's imposing. He's thick. He's 6'3". He can run. Uh, just speak more to what he's meant coming on, uh, coming into this season now as a rookie and coming on now at this stage of the year to be a weapon for this team. Well, the big thing is, is that, uh, you know, they were surprised that he was available at the lower part of the second round. And that's why they, you know, they made the move to trade up to get him because it was one that, uh, you know, they, they thought that, I mean, they had a, a, probably a high second round grade on him. And, you know, a lot of the things, I mean, and this is one of the strangest stories you can imagine. I mean, here he goes to the combine. You know, he's 6'3", 228 pounds, and runs a 4'3", 340. And then, uh, you know, bench presses like 29, like an offensive lineman. You know, his father was an NFL offensive lineman. So here you're thinking, okay, can he do any better in the uh, at the combine? And so what ends up happening, he does the cone drill and uh, a couple of the drills that you never have to worry about if you're a receiver, and he did terrible in that. And so he gets downgraded because of the cone drill <laughs> and the three. It's like, and it's like, what more do you want? I mean, 6'3", 229 pounds, and runs a 4'3'3", and looks like an offensive lineman. And it's like he has a bad cone drill, and so he goes down to the bottom part of the second round because they thought, oh, boy, he's, he's, it's just not there. And so now you can see it's there. And Russell Wilson is really taking him under his wing in the standpoint that they've worked so well together. You know, uh, One of the things that Russell does is that uh, once he got his contract done for $35 bucks, which he pushed to get done early, he makes sure that he gets together with the pass catchers. You know, they'll either go down to Mexico, Hawaii, mm. go down to Los Angeles and work. And he's been working with Metcalf from the very beginning. And you can see how well it's worked because Metcalf now has evolved as a number two wide receiver on this team. It looks like he's going to be a good one. He's got 29 catches, averages about 18 yards a catch, and now he's getting touchdown passes. And so uh, and it's only going to get better. No doubt. John Clayton, the professor with me. You hear that familiar voice. You saw him for all those years on ESPN. He's now uh, on the ESPN radio affiliate in Seattle. You can find it at 710 ESPN, wherever you're hearing this podcast. You can find John's show. He's on weekdays in the middays there in Seattle. Part of the Seahawks broadcast, as he mentioned, Washington Post as well. 
Now we have Monday Night Football. What a game. Uh, the schedule maker uh, lucks out here with a November game of Seattle at unbeaten San Francisco. What a story the 49ers are undefeated uh, right now. This becomes a large game for a lot of reasons, in particular with Seattle playing well. John, that's going to be a lot of a lot of fun to do that one on Monday night and for the buildup all the way to Monday night, right? No, it's going to be a blast because, I mean, you know, you know the big uh, story is going to be uh, Richard Sherman because uh, Richard – you know, it kind of alienated himself with the organization, you know, being uh, critical with uh, as they started to decline. The Legion of Boom was starting to break up, and he was upset that uh, they weren't, uh, you know, getting the team better. But, of course, that's one thing. When you start to lose your run as a Super Bowl team, it's hard to be able to replenish it. I mean, they're in the process of doing it right now. So Richard gets cut after having an Achilles tendon tear, <laughs> goes down to San Francisco, and so you know he's going to be talking this up because they're 8-0, they're the number two defense in the league. They've done an unbelievable job of revamping and getting their defensive line better with D. Ford and Nick Boza. Boza will likely be the defensive uh, rookie of the year. And then Jimmy Garoppolo is pretty good. So this is going to be a great matchup. I th- it's going to definitely, I think, top that 37-18 uh, to 18, uh, Dallas-New uh, York Giant game, I would think. <laughs> and it's going to be one that is going to determine you know, where the 49ers are. Are they a legitimate team to win the division and maybe go to the Super Bowl? Or is Seattle going to go down there as a division team and be able to show that, okay, we still have the edge over the 49ers? Interesting game. No doubt. And obviously, you've got the Rams in the division. It's as good a division as there is right now. And even the Arizona Cardinals have snuck three games in. And of course, you know, the Cardinals are coming to Tampa Bay, Bruce Arians' old team. The Bucks finally back at home, John Clayton, after 20,000 plus air miles over five games over six weeks, going to LA and back, London and back, Seattle and back, finally get to play a game at Raymond James Stadium with Arians against his old team with the Cardinals. But the Cardinals have even gotten three wins. Uh, this year, and they were fairly competitive in that Thursday night game uh, back a week ago with, with the 49ers. So this is a tough division, John Clayton. It really is, and it's only going to get better because Arizona's going to get better. I mean, what they have to do is improve the defense because they can't stop the run. They're not good at defense whatsoever, and it forces Kyler Murray to have to outscore teams to be able to get the victory. But he had the nice three-game winning streak. You can see that uh, he works well. But the one thing you're going to see, it's, it's all remember the old run-and-shoot Yes. Uh, okay, so it's kind of similar when you watch Cliff Kingsbury's offense and the way that he runs it to the run and shoot because you know the best receiver is going to be inside uh, in the slot, you know, Larry Fitzgerald and uh, Christian Kirk. And then uh, what happens is it's great getting yards. You can go 20 to 20, but it's not good in the red zone. That's the thing that kind of holds them up. But the, the different part is the way Cliff is evolving this offense because, again, it's a pure air raid offense is that uh, you know, normally the air raid offense is not going to run the ball. Well, he's actually used more running plays, and he's had to make some adjustments as the season goes on because normally it was going to be four and five receivers. He's kind of put even some tight ends in there, which is actually not part in there. So he's kind of trying to get a little bit more of an NFL version of the air raid uh, in, into the uh, league, but uh, it works well because of Kyler Murray. He's that good. All right, we'll see if that continues. couple more moments, couple more questions for you. Pass interference, and I, I can't see you, but I have to believe you're rolling your eyes. So in the Seattle-Tampa Bay game, there was a questionable situation with Mike Evans on the on the far sideline from where we were in the second half. I think it was in the fourth quarter even on, is it a, is it a catch? Is it pass interference? Pete Carroll challenged. There was no flag thrown, but Pete Carroll challenged, trying to get the flag, didn't get it. Uh, we saw the horrible no-call Monday 
Monday night and it wasn't overruled. I mean, John, I think most observers, media, and fans at this point have thrown their hands up of why do we have instant replay? What are you hearing about whether this is going to stick around if they're never going to enforce it? Are they just driving the coaches nuts enough to where the coaches are going to say, why, why do we even have this for pass interference if you're not going to call it? Yeah. Well, even worse, I think they're driving the officials crazy with this because now you know, the, the scrutiny that's in this, and this is exactly what Mike Brown of the Bengals and I thought as they were sitting there at the owners' meeting and they make this crazy decision to do this. And again, it was a reaction to one play that mm-hmm. was messed up in the New Orleans game, the non-call, and so we said, we got to do something. And so they come up with this and they've messed it up. And now what's happened is that Pete Carroll is one of the leading coaches in taking the position. It's like, okay, if I have a chance, I'm just going to throw the flag and hold things up because, you know, so far, what, uh, it's 90, 91% that's been turned down, 5 of 53 uh, so far that have, uh, you know, they, they just basically do. And that's what the league's position is right now. You want to throw the flag, we're just not going to uh, overturn uh. anything. And so, uh, and and in the last, I believe I saw this in the last four weekends now, because I believe it was coming off of this weekend as well. If there is not a flag thrown on the field one way or the other, they have not instituted a flag out of New York one time in four weeks. So, in other words, if they didn't call anything pro or con, you're wasting your time, right, John? They're not gonna, they're not gonna throw a flag out of New York. No, and that's it. And it's like, They've just got to do away with this thing because, I mean, it's an absolute disaster. Everybody thought it was going to be a disaster, and it's just lived up to that reputation. So it's a one-year experiment. Let's put the experiment back and say we're not going to do this anymore. Because, you know, and that's one of the things that happens now because everybody wants to add more replay. Coaches want to add more replay, but sometimes that causes more problems than it does successes. And so – this is one that I think that is a, a disaster. It has to be eliminated after the season. Uh, but because, again, what's going to end up happening is a scrutiny on the officials is going to chase more officials out of this game. And you make it so that, the, you know, every head coach now is taking the spot. It's like, well, I don't know what an interference call is anymore because they made it too confusing. Yeah, and it's a great point that you're going to you're going to hurt yourself even more with the quality of overall officiating if the officials are now gun shy or they don't want to do it anymore. And they I mean they they had what five or six referees that have departed and we got five or six new ones now this year. So uh, it is a, it's a, we could go on for 15 more minutes about the refs, but nobody cares anymore about the refs. Uh, we care about this man. John Clayton does a fantastic job. John Clayton NFL on Twitter, 710 ESPN in Seattle, weekdays, middays, weekdays in Seattle, the Washington Post uh, as well. A treat to get to talk to you, Professor, not only on this interview, but on Sunday. Uh, you're a class guy. We were helping each other out with information down on the sideline, trying to figure it all out. I thank you for the time here, and it was a it was a pleasure to get to meet you. Thank you. That was great great to be with you at any time. Still to come on Three Dog Thursday, Brian Edwards of MajorWager.com and BrianEdwardsSports.com. Love his insight, his handicapping. He will be here with some college underdogs. Sean Green back from the Sports Gambling Podcast, very popular podcast uh, based out in the West in Los Angeles. He'll be here with some college and NFL underdogs. Excited to talk with both of those guys about their predictions on Three Dog Thursday. Reminder again, we're brought to you in part by Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. If you're looking to go to 
to any of these college games like LSU, Alabama, or maybe you're swinging to Big 12 country with Kansas State and Texas or all the way out west with USC at Arizona State, use Vivid Seats for your tickets and use our promo code THURSDAY10 to take 10% off your order. That promo code code is good for first-time users uh, with the uh, promo code THURSDAY10. You'll take 10% off up to $50 on your purchase order for those tough tickets to get. In the NFL, the Giants and the Jets are playing at MetLife Stadium. Uh, the, uh, the Bears at, at Soldier Field with the Detroit Lions. Vikings and the Cowboys in Dallas. Monday night game, Seahawks in San Francisco. Vivid Seats has got your tickets. A 100% customer service guarantee on your purchase. Your purchase is secure with Vivid Seats. And remember our promo code. Take 10% off with Thursday 10 for Three Dog Thursday users. Thursday 10 takes 10% off up to $50 with Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. He is back. Love the insight. Love the wit. Love the the fire that Brian Edwards brings here from BrianEdwardsSports.com and MajorWager.com. He tried to tell us all last week about Virginia Tech at Notre Dame. Way too many points. He was right. Virginia Tech should have won the game. Should have, could have, would have. Notre Dame scoring in the final minute to win by one. He got that one on the cover. Love this man's insight. He's back with me on the Three Dog Thursday podcast. Brian Edwards, how you feeling? I'm doing great, DJ. What's happening? Other than my Gators not being able to get a third down stop Saturday, mm. I'm doing wonderful. You were hanging in and hanging around that six-and-a-half, seven-point line, and Georgia ends up getting the, the first downs they needed, killing the clock and winning that game, and probably all but wrapping up the SEC East now for the championship game. So uh, let's just pick up first before we get into underdogs. The first college football playoff ranking has been released, something that is designed automatically, the initial one, to let everybody's head explode uh, and arguing to ensue in regions all over the country when they reveal it. They revealed it, and I, I guess the first thing that comes as a shock to the Clemson fan base and the ACC is they're the defending champs, they're undefeated, and they're not in the top five right now. Did that surprise you on the initial ranking of Ohio State 1, LSU 2, Alabama 3, Penn State 4, Clemson 5? What about it? A, a little bit of surprise to see them ahead of, of Penn State, but but I get it. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the committee – goes by what is on your resume and has been done, not what, like, next week, not how your strength and schedule is going to improve in two weeks when you play this or that. You know what I'm saying? They just they go by what has been done, and therefore, I get it. I'm sure the Clemson fan base, and I'm on a show in, in Clemson every Thursday afternoon, you know, uh, every week of the year, <laughs> so I'm sure, I'm sure I'll, I'll be t- we'll be talking about it tomorrow, but I mean, it's a it's irrelevant. I mean, if Clemson loses, regardless of where they were ranked, I mean, they're going to be out most likely unless we have like an 07 again when, you know, LSU got in with two losses back when it was only a two-team, you know, BCS championship game because everybody else got knocked off. Unless there's craziness, Clemson is out with a loss, and because 
the teams in front of them play each other. They're in for a win, so it, it doesn't really matter, but I'm sure they're up in arms. Yeah, I mean, this this is like everybody going absolutely berserk when it doesn't snow on the first day of winter. I mean, in the north, like in the in Canada and stuff. It is going to snow. There are going to be losses. Uh, there are head-to-head matchups, LSU-Alabama, which we're going to get to with you. Ohio State and Penn State play each other. So in Clemson's case, they went out. They're absolutely in. It's just a matter of where they ranked. Uh, in that four and what the matchup might be so uh, every year we see this and and I, I made mention of it earlier in the in the podcast in talking with one of our other guests you better be ready uh, I mentioned that these teams are playing each other that this initial four there might be three teams out of the initial four that don't make the playoff at the end so this this again is just a a faint starting point isn't it it's that's about all it is yeah and I mean that that's why it's interesting that Penn State is at four because you know going by the Westgate's updated games of the year they're plus fourteen and a half at Ohio State I think it's next week if not it's the week after so you know a likely L there but let's say they only lose by four at Ohio State um, you know Georgia does have at Auburn which will be a good resume game for them but it's, it's, what's going to be important is. How does Penn State fall, assuming they don't pull the upset of the shoe, do they fall below Georgia? How do they fall compared to Oregon and Utah? Oregon's still got to go to uh, at Arizona State. So, there, you know, there's still a lot of football left. And, and what's going to be interesting is where Oklahoma, Utah, Oregon, and Georgia stack up to the loser of Alabama, LSU, and the loser of Ohio State, Penn State. That's when things get real interesting. Well, and they're going to, just to your point one more time, because at the maximum up here at the top, you're only going to have three undefeated teams at the max, which means the fourth spot is going to be somebody with a loss. So the arguing over our one-loss resume is better than your one-loss resume is going to happen in about five weeks. You can book it. Because, again, uh, Minnesota's undefeated, but Minnesota is playing Penn State this week, so one of them has to lose. And as we mentioned, Penn State, Ohio State playing, somebody's got to lose. LSU, Alabama, somebody's got to lose. So the, so the maximum right now in this scenario is that you're going to have three undefeated teams, and you may have less. So the one-loss teams are going to come into play here at the end of November and for that final playoff ranking. And, what the, and there may be two spots for teams with only one loss. That's where it gets really interesting if that's the case uh, coming up. So uh, in any event, the, the rankings are out and we're ready for all of these different, uh, all of these different matchups. Um, all right, so let's get right into the underdogs that you like. I, I know that you're heading towards LSU and the matchup with Alabama. So let's start with another underdog and you're going with a large Big Ten doggy in this case, right? Yeah, absolutely. Illinois, now they were, I got them at plus 16 yesterday, but then, uh, well, we got good news, bad news. The good news, or and I don't wish anyone an injury, but in terms of Illinois' expectation for Saturday, Michigan State star receiver Daryl Stewart is out with a leg injury, 47 receptions, 694 yards, and four touchdowns. And we're, we're talking about a pedestrian offense, so those are pretty good numbers in any offense. In that offense, those are amazing numbers. And uh, Thomas Allen, one of their uh, starting off at their starting center, actually, he is out. So he becomes the third 
starter on that Michigan State O-line that is now injured. And then their All-American linebacker, who was All-Big Ten as a sophomore, All-American last year, Joe Bocci, uh, he got suspended by the NCAA last week for testing positive for a banned substance, kind of like you know Will Greer back at Florida five five years ago or whatever, right. whenever that was. So, so you got those personnel issues for Michigan State, and you've got Michigan State being one and four against the spread at home, one and three against the spread with one outright loss as double digit favorite this year. We've got Illinois, which has won three games in a row. We also have them covering four in a row. We have them as a double-digit dog, which they have been five times this year, four and one against the spread with two outright victories. Since Brandon Peters, the Michigan grad transfer QB, came back, they have just been lights out, 13 to 4 TDI and T ratio for him. And let's also remember two of Illinois' four losses, or yeah, two of their four losses came by only seven combined points. So they lost two heartbreakers. They still play Northwestern home in the regular season finale. So it looks like Lovey's going to save his job and get to a bowl game for the first time. Um, but but not just that. I mean, Illinois' defense has really turned it up here lately. They only give up 23 to Wisconsin. Granted, Purdue's got all their offensive playmakers banged up, but they only give up six at Purdue, and then they only give up 10 to Rutgers last week. And I, I'm pretty sure that was Rutgers getting a jump touchdown late in the game. So I am actually I made Michigan State four. In this game, that was before I knew Stewart was out. I'm getting a 10-point difference. I love when this happens. It only happens maybe four or five times a year. And I'm also going to call for Illinois to win outright, plus 500 on the money line. But to be clear, for money management purposes, obviously be on Illinois plus the points. That's the play. Just get a small taste of the money line. (laughs) He loves that hound, the Lovey Smith-led Illinois fighting Illini. I mean, Lovey didn't just have one foot in the grave earlier this year. He had both feet in the grave uh, when they lost to Eastern Michigan. They then battled with the Michigan Wolverines and hung in with them, uh, fought back in that game, and that translated into them finding a way to beat Wisconsin, which they did, and that's turned their whole season around mid-year, and you're calling for the outright win here at Michigan State, which would be four in a row and which would make sure they're in a bowl game. So let's see. Uh, how that one plays out. So that leads us, Brian Edwards of BrianEdwardsSports.com, into LSU and Alabama. And I know you've got some insight. The most interesting ankle in all of college football belongs to number 13, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, the Alabama quarterback who had ankle surgery uh, after their matchup with Tennessee. He's had now about three weeks to get ready for this game. Tell me more on what you know, and you've been writing about this as well, about the ankle surgery and his uh, alleged effectiveness, uh, Tua, for the game Saturday. Yeah, so it's called a tightrope surgery. It's the same one he had last year after the SEC title game. It was the, the other foot, though, was his plant foot, which which means that one was a little more difficult to deal with. But he also had what? I mean, I think they played that game like January 8th or 9th. So he had like 30-plus days. Um, he had the certain – last time last year. Now, obviously, this year, the morning after the Tennessee game, that Sunday morning – had the surgery, so come Saturday afternoon, it'll be 20 days out. And, and I've got a, a good buddy uh, that lives around here, Dr. Michael Gilmore, and, and he's an orthopedic surgeon. He, I was talking to him on Friday, and he had, he did three of these tightrope surgeries last week alone. <laughs> you know, he did these. And he told, he told me, I said, okay, so 20 days out, tell me where a patient would normally be. 
And he goes, okay, well, you know, most of them are, we're just starting to put a little weight on it, but you know, most of my patients aren't young elite athletes. So, you know, he, he prefaced it by that and saying, and he knows the guys on the medical staff up at Alabama. He said they're great, and they're giving him 24-7 world-class treatment on that ankle. But he said to me, I go, what's best-case scenario 20 days out? He goes, 75% tops, and that's mm. for an elite young athlete. He goes, now, they'll, they'll shoot him up, though. So that might could get him to 80% and change. He goes, but if he plays like he's 90% or better, he goes, the dude's a superhero. Well, and so, and so you, it makes you wonder, though, because to the to the contrary of that, what happens if he steps wrong again? Because, again, it's two weeks less. There's a reason why rest is a big part of this to let healing go on. So, I mean, it's just as possible he steps wrong and he's limping around in this football game, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a, there, it's very much a, a major question mark whether he can last this whole game or and whether he can be, you know, his normal effectiveness. So that that's part of my play on this. But, I, man, TJ, I, when I was out in Vegas, and that was when the Tennessee-Alabama weekend was, I was already starting to slightly lean toward LSU in this game anyway. And when that happened – I was like, man, I, I, I just really think LSU's going to win this game. And, and Burrow's playing out of his mind, 30-4 to 4 TDI&T ratio. Now, Michael Divinity, one of their better uh, defensive players, he left the team earlier in the week for personal reasons. That is a major red flag. And a yes, it is. Start yep, your, yep. To start your game week. So, um, you know, money management purposes is here again. I, I'm, I'm more bullish on Illinois. We are still playing at Alabama here. But I just <laughs> – I think LS. I think LSU is going to get it done, and um, you know, look, even if Tua is playing and plays great, I mean, I, I, who says LSU can't match them? You know, offensively, the whole game. Uh, LSU's offense is nasty. They're very good, and and I would and you tell me what you think on this, TJ. Um, and it's not really meant to be an insult because their defenses have been so legendary since year two of Saban era in 08, but I think this might be their worst defense since his first season there. I mean, and don't get me wrong, they're still ranked in the top 25, 30 of most categories, but I just this defense is not up to the Alabama standard of the last decade. It, it, is not, it has not got, let's say, the top-notch NFL first-round draft pick talent, but that being said, you got to give Alabama uh, their due. They're at home. They're going to put pressure on Joe Burrow, et cetera. Let's see how that part uh, plays out. It could be a shootout. We will find out uh, for this matchup. But you like the Tigers there, plus the seven in this spot at Alabama to at least keep it close, right, real quick? Oh, absolutely. Oh, no, and I've got a little taste of the money line at plus 200 as well. I'm just saying I I have more units, more amounts on Illinois. But, no, I'm in on LSU. I'm not trying to stutter or hesitate. I just obviously am expressing some respect for Mr. Saban. (laughs) <laughs> and that's good to have that respect because they've owned this series so far and until LSU proves they can win especially in Tuscaloosa you got to go with Alabama and it's a humongous game one of the games of the year right now for the regular season in college football 
All right, so those are the two that you're looking at, Brian Edwards. I'm strongly looking at K-State and Texas, and I went against Texas a couple of weeks ago at TCU and was successful on Three Dog Thursday. Now I've got K-State getting points for the third week in a row off of outright wins against Oklahoma and Kansas on the road last week as underdogs. Am I crazy to look at that seven points and say that that's that's something I want to do on Three Dog Thursday? Not at all, man. I mean, K-State is, is hot. They've won three in a row, both straight up and against the spread. And, you know, I was I was looking at the stats on this. Um, and, you know, just in my Phil Steele mag that goes back 10 years, they're 25-10 and 10 against the spread as a road dog the last decade. They're 15-7 and seven against the spread as a home dog. So I decided to break out a couple of older magazines that I've got deep in my drawer here and i went back even further and k-state is 33 and 14 against the spread in 47 games of the road dog since covering at nebraska late in 2005 and we often hear about tom herman and his success as an underdog but as a favorite or specifically as a home favorite at texas he's only four and nine against the spread Ooh. in 13 such spots yeah now texas texas did have two weeks to prepare but it, they're only getting a couple guys back. They still have a ton of key players that are either out or listed as questionable. And, you know, that would, was partly to do with why KU was able to, what what they put on them a few weeks ago, 48 and that, that yeah. 50 to 48 win by Texas. So K-State's hot. They're getting points. They, they are traditionally great in this role. And Herman, as good as he is as a dog, not so much at Texas as a home favorite. So, yeah, I, I'm with you, man. I like K-State plus the seven. All right, so you've given us these underdogs. Tell the fans more. You've got fantastic information. Where and how can they find it? Uh, uh, VegasInsider.com. Uh, my Alabama LSU preview ready Friday. Uh, MajorWager.com. Uh, I haven't been updating my website a- as much lately because I'm full-time with Major Wager, but I also have BrianEdwardsSports.com. I'm on Twitter at Vegas B. Edwards. If you want to, you know, I, I try not to bombard my Twitter followers with all-day injury reports on <laughs> Akron and Kent State. But so, so sometimes the other games, I, I'm tweeting about it from Major Wager, and that, that uh, Twitter account is at Major Wager Uno, U-N-O. Like that. And and again, you've got YouTube videos where you're doing breakdowns. You've got articles, insight, and analysis, majorwager.com from Brian Edwards. And follow him at Vegas B. Edwards on social media and follow Major Wager on social media as well uh, for all of this insight, the intel, the underdogs. And here we go. Should be exciting with LSU and Alabama. It's only the beginning because we're going to get more than likely an unbeaten Ohio State, Penn State. And then we get to championship Saturday and the championship games and all the college football playoff sorts out and shifts eight different times between now and the end. Let's see what happens. Brian, good luck with the underdogs. We appreciate the time here, as always, on Three Dog Thursday. Thanks, TJ. And hey, I think I snuck in that co-main event. Darren Till is a plus one ninety dog at the end of our combo last week, and that ended up hitting as well. Thanks always for having me, man. Yeah, he's fun. he's got college doggies. He's got UFC. We didn't even get to an NFL dog, but check him out. Majorwager.com. Brian, be well. Thanks, buddy. Coming down the home stretch on this edition of Three Dog Thursday. Reminder again, we love the underdogs here. You can find us. 
via Three Dog Thursday on Twitter. Subscribe to the show, however you found it, social media link through Red Circle Podcasting, etc. Subscribe on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. It'll come automatically to you wherever you have podcasts. Subscribe away, and it comes to your phone, to your iPad, etc. A guy that has been rolling, delivering in particular NFL winner after NFL winner, uh, including getting the Bucks and the six and a half. The the half point was big in the overtime loss for my Buccaneers by six against the Seahawks last week in the wild game that we've been talking about. Sean Green from the Sports Gambling Podcast and sportsgamblingpodcast.com and all their network of shows. He is back with me on Three Dog Thursday another week. Uh, we're starting to sort some things out. How you feeling, my friend? All good? I'm doing great. Yeah, love, uh, love talking underdogs, love talking NFL, love talking college football. It's it's just a great time to be betting on sports all around. College basketball, there's just uh, so much action. Yeah, there is a lot to keep up with and a lot to cover, that is for sure. Um, all right, so in the in the college game, we have talked a bunch uh, already here about the college football playoff rankings. We've also touched on a little LSU and Alabama, which is obviously the mega game uh, of the day. We'll get to your underdogs here in a couple of moments. Do you ha- do you have a quick thought on either one of those subjects? Anything you want to chime in on on the rankings that saw, again, Ohio State uh, at 1 and uh, then LSU at 2, Alabama 3, Penn State 4, Clemson for the moment on the outside looking in at 5. And then, of course, LSU and Alabama play each other this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you, uh, I think you may have had it, uh, the tweet there uh, of the day, TJ, when you said they're getting everyone to argue about the rankings <laughs> this far out. And, and they're just, they're just trying to rile you up. I'm, ideally, we get to a place where, hey, it's the uh, you know ten conference winners and six wild cards, and let them uh, figure it out on the field. Uh, I mean, that's the that's the great thing about sports. So they're looking to get people riled up, and and certainly there's. There's a lot to be uh, riled up about. My two sleepers uh, for teams to sneak into the college football playoff was uh, both Oregon and Baylor. And I was actually one of the few people that didn't have Clemson in the Final Four for the college football playoff. So uh, right now I'm looking good, but I have a feeling they will certainly probably figure out a way to get in there. But it's going to get interesting. And, again, I'm still rooting for my Oregon and uh, Baylor prediction. I mean, there's certainly a – they're probably going to need a little bit of help here. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to the stretch run in college. And one thing we know, we've been talking about this, we're going to talk about it over and over again, because LSU and Alabama play this weekend, because we know Penn State and Minnesota are playing and somebody's got to lose, and eventually Penn State plays Ohio State and somebody's got to lose. You're going to have at least one one-loss team. You're probably going to have at least two one-loss teams that end up making the Final Four, whoever they are. So get ready for the arguing and the screaming volume to get turned up about six notches. <laughs> Because, uh, you know, one loss, uh, let's say Big Ten champ, one loss Big 12 champ, one loss Pac-12 champ, this is going to be the reality on on who do you take. So get ready. That's coming in a few weeks. Prepare yourself, and for now, just enjoy the games. I I know you're not taking LSU in the underdog situation. you got one college game, and it's not LSU. Do you have a thought on what happens LSU-Alabama Saturday 3.30 3.30 Eastern time, 2.30 tea time, uh, uh, to, uh, Tuscaloosa time uh, for that matchup. Any any quick thought or comment about Bayou Bengals Crimson Tide? 
Well, I mean, I love I love back in Eddie O. Um, it's it's certainly going to be a tough game for them, but I, I do think if you're if you're siding with the LSU Tigers, uh, get that six and a half now because if there's any chance that uh, Tua doesn't play, I, I do think he will play. But if there's a chance he gets ruled out, uh, you're not going to sniff that six and a half. That'll probably be down to three and a half or three points. So. If you like the LSU Tigers, uh, this is the best price you're going to find, and I would bet it now. What's interesting, uh, we were talking earlier about this uh, very point about Tua's injury and the and the ambiguity. We, we believe he's going to play, and he's probably going to be at about 60%. Uh, certainly nowhere near 100%. May start limping around during the game. How much is he really hurt after the surgery? But if he was at full strength, I mean, if the line, Sean, and you, you study this a lot on the Sports Gambling Podcast and what you and Ryan and you guys do – if the line is six and a half or, or six with him hurt, if he was fully healthy, then Vegas would be telling us probably he would it would be worth three points, two or three points at least, that Alabama would be a nine or ten point favorite in this game at home. That's intriguing. It's interesting. Yeah, it does it does uh, feel a little bit high and, and that's a lot of times where you find the value, right? Because if a player gets injured uh, and they know that going into the game, then the point spread will reflect it. A guy like Tua is always interesting. The guy who tries to play through the injury won't be quite as effective. They, they try and factor it in a little bit, but it's, it's harder to handicap if a guy's going to be 60 70%. It's, it's hard to find that number. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do think there's some value in LSU, and especially, I mean, with Burrow, the way he just methodically goes up and down the field – if you're down 10 points late holding an LSU ticket, I think you you got to feel good that there's a chance they backdoor that. All right. We'll find out on that game. So we know you're not taking that game. There's a couple of other avenues that you might want to travel. What are you looking at for a college underdog, Sean Green? Well, I'm going to the uh, Friday night game, UFC Knights versus the uh, Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Uh, I, I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking Tulsa here. I know there's probably not a lot of people talking about the golden hurricane right now. Uh, but 17 and a half points is what they're getting. And that's just way too much against this UCF team. That's really, uh, quietly kind of had a disappointing season. They lost outright to Pittsburgh again, had Pittsburgh there. Um, this seems like a possible letdown spot for UCF. Uh, I, I don't think they're probably in danger of losing outright, but certainly a letdown the fact that, they just have trouble covering these giant spreads. They've been uh, one in five against the spread in their last six, mm. and uh, their defense is just letting up a bunch of points, averaging uh, what? Let's see, twenty-six point eight points per game over the last seven games. So, if you're letting up twenty-seven points a game, it's hard to cover seventeen and a half. And uh, Tulsa, yeah, listen, you're not going to worry about them in the college football playoff, but they're certainly a competent team and I, I think a friday night game uh they'll be up for it well and you got to think about it like this they had smu dead to rights they had smu down by 20 points in the fourth quarter and let them off the hook let the game get into overtime in that game they missed three field goals they make any one of those they win the game they missed a, they missed two field goals in the fourth quarter of the game and smu stayed undefeated beat them in overtime then they had my memphis tigers also dead to rights driving on the final drive down by one point 
Uh, I believe we talked about this on your show. We may not have uh, when I came on with you, or we may have talked about it on Three Dog Thursday. Uh, I've talked about it in so many places. I don't remember where, Sean. They didn't elect to go to the end zone with the ball. They didn't try to. They they had two or three plays to run. They had timeouts. They they did not try to score a touchdown. They played for the field goal. They milked the clock and they missed the kick with zeros on the clock and lost by one, blowing the field goal. So my point is, Tulsa played very tough with SMU and with Memphis. Now they're back home. I just don't know if defensively they can slow down UCF enough. Dylan Gabriel, the freshman quarterback in that high-powered offense. I, I'm I'm hearing that you think Tulsa can score some though, just to hang around the 17-point line. Yeah, and it's 17 and a half. I mean, again, if you're a fan of Tulsa, it's been a, certainly a frustrating season, but. Uh, in the same way that uh, UCF has kind of got cold over the last six games against the spread, similar trend with Tulsa. Tulsa 4-2 and two against the spread in uh, six games where they've been the underdog. So uh, they relish that role of covering and not winning, and uh, I think that could be the situation this Friday night. All right, again, that's a standalone national TV game there, and UCF still with a slim, slim chance to maybe win their division, get back in the conference championship game. They need two Cincinnati losses to happen down the stretch of the season and then win out themselves. We'll find out if they are able to do that. Let's move on to the NFL. We were talking earlier in the podcast about instant replay. John Clayton, formerly with ESPN, now with the uh, ESPN radio affiliate 710 ESPN in Seattle doing their midday show. The Professor, who also uh, does a great job writing Washington Post, etc. He's on the Seahawks broadcast. We were talking about pass interference, and, and Sean, I know we've we've discussed uh, previously on this show. You've you've been talking about it on your own show the pass interference rule uh, that it is now being uh, utilized and challenged with challenge flags and booth reviews. Uh, it, it has almost become a running joke to not even be worthwhile for the challenge. What is that's again me putting that out there? What is your thought on what is this going to be like one and done like Calipari's basketball players at Kentucky? This is one and done on instant replay. What about it? Well, yeah. If this if this uh, if this rule was a college basketball player, he'd already have a shoe endorsement deal. <laughs> he'd already be getting money from boosters. Uh, he'd already have his agent. LeBron would be courting him. This rule is going out the window, and it's so frustrating as a fan. The insane overreaction. Did the refs blow that call in the Saints game? Yes, that happens, right? Uh, but we don't need to totally rewrite the rule book. It's you're you're uh, taking challenges on completely on just opinion calls. Let the, let the refs call it live in the game and move on. It, it just seems like such a tremendous overreaction. And I don't know why it's, for whatever reason, the Saints, I, I get it, that game was the NFC Championship game. It was high profile. The Saints overreacted as a fan base. I get it. I would be upset too. But, you know, like we're not going to air the Super Bowl. We're going to dress up in ref costumes and it's like, come on, guys. You, yeah, you also got the you also got the ball back in overtime. Right. Uh, Drew Brees third interception in overtime. You also had a chance to stop them before they got into the end zone. So take a little, uh, you know, take a little ownership for that loss. I mean, look at your Bucks. Right. Uh, they had a similar situation where in the Saints Rams uh, game earlier in the season, the Saints were crying again about the call where they blew the fumble dead instead of letting it go right. so they didn't get the advancement. Now, this happens in the Seattle Bucks game. That was a or 
Yeah, well, I think it was the Seattle. It was the, it was the Tennessee Whatever. game two weeks ago, Sorry, and it's, and it's yeah. a game where that touchdown is with three minutes left if they don't blow the whistle, and the Bucks had just as big a gripe. I mean, the Saints play happened yeah. in the first half of the game. The Bucks play happened with three minutes to go, and it's going to put them up by four where Tennessee's going to have to score a touchdown on them. Uh, so, yeah, there, there are blown calls, uh, but it, it's rather obvious at this point, as we were talking about with John Clayton, the, the booth review and the command center in New York, they're not going to overturn them. They are just flat out over and over again saying we're not going to overturn calls on the field and or, or throw a flag when none was thrown. And so we'll see if this if this rule is uh, is one and out or not. All right, so enough about off the field. Again, this man had the Buccaneers last week against the Seahawks. I'm just looking back uh, in time. You had the Saints previously uh, successfully against the Chicago Bears. You've had a couple of other weeks. Uh, you came through with the Pittsburgh Steelers against the L.A. Chargers before that. You had uh, two winners with the Packers uh, and the Colts. Uh, before that, oh, yeah. so when this man starts talking about NFL underdogs again, perk up. So Sean Green, begin with an underdog, please, for the NFL this weekend. All right, I'm going to go to a uh, a team unlike the Bengals. This or unlike the Dolphins, uh, this Bengals team does not have a win. Uh, <laughs> however, <laughs> they're 0 8. No one's looking to bet on them uh, except me, it appears. But they're catching 10 and a half points at home against a division rival. This Ravens team, I mean, this Ravens team just won their, essentially their Super Bowl. They they defeated the mighty uh, New England Patriots on primetime. Everyone's, everyone's kind of smelling themselves, reading their press clippings. Lamar's doing every sort of TV interview you can do. And meanwhile, this Bengals team, they're at home against a division rival. They're, I think they might show up for this game. And if you watch that first uh, Ravens-Bengals game, the, the Ravens had, mo- or the Bengals had moments where they were, they're pretty competitive uh, against this Ravens team. And I think they're just going to be super motivated uh, for this game. And they're catching 10 and a half points as a home dog. Uh, This Bengals team isn't great uh, and isn't good. They're just flat out bad. However, I just think this number is way too high considering uh, the situation. Now you have uh, Finley who's making his first career start. So that's going to be kind of interesting, but we've seen this uh, previously. We saw it with the, you know, Allen or Minshew, these guys who kind of come out of nowhere, uh, look really good early on. I mean, uh, you know, the guy in Denver, he came in. Um, That's I'm Brandon Allen. Right we got to keep all the we had we had He's three we had three Allens play last weekend, and they all won. Josh Allen in Buffalo, Kyle <laughs> Allen in uh, Charlotte for the for the Carolina Panthers, and then Brandon Allen uh, wins in Denver. If your name is Allen and you were coming off the bench in particular, you were in good shape. So Ryan Finley, as you mentioned, is not named Allen, but the the Bengals apparently want to take a look at him, and we don't know for sure at the time we're taking. AJ Green questionable to come uh, off of the uh, the injured list here and play for the first time this year, but I don't know how anxious he is to play in this bad situation with them. 0 and 8. He is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. They're likely to say goodbye to him. I, I don't know if he's going to play, but you still back the Bengals, and I hear you saying it may be the the Ravens a little flat here after the win over New England, yeah. and the Bengals might catch him a little bit. Yeah, I, I I I certainly think that's a that's a possibility. And uh, Zach Taylor, he's desperate for a win. And you have a you have a quarterback coming in with like literally no film uh, for the Ravens to break down, no real tendencies in games to kind of figure out. And 
you see it all the time. You saw it with uh, Daniel Jones uh, against your Bucks, unfortunately. Yep, remind uh, me again. Yeah, lovely, <laughs> lovely, yeah. <laughs> and that was more about them missing the kick. But when these when these rookie quarterbacks come in, especially that first game, a lot of times they do have success, um, you know, even Hodges uh, with the Steelers against the Chargers. Like, they just don't know how to play the new quarterback, and they pro- they have a higher ceiling usually. So, all those factors combined, uh, I really like the Bengals getting ten and a half points. Okay, so he goes Cincinnati for one. I'm curious where you're going next here for Three Dog Thursday purposes. Sean Green, Sports Gambling Podcast, with me as we uh, come down the home stretch here, winding it down on the podcast. What do you like? What do you like for your second NFL dog? Well, unfortunately, uh, TJ, I'm going to go against uh, your Bucks. Ah. <laughs> take the take the Arizona Cardinals catching four and a half points. I I, I certainly see uh, a scenario where the Bucks win this game and uh, they don't cover the spread. Um, the the Bucks are two and six against the spread this season. Now, granted, they haven't been at home much. Uh, you can attest to the crazy kind of travel schedule they've had. Unreal. But I, I look. I look at the other side of the ball, and I see two teams that really struggle defending the pass um, and struggle on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, the Bucks have had issues with turnovers as well, and Arizona's coming off that extra rest with the Thursday, uh, Thursday night game. The Thursday, the team's playing the previous Thursday. It's, it's staying over 60% as far as ATS. That's a nice little nugget there. And... I just think uh, I think Arizona's going to be in this game in the similar way that the Bucks were in the game in Seattle. I think Arizona's going to be in this game. So I think I, four I, and a half is just a little. I too can't high. argue with the man that had the Bucks to hang in, if not beat the Rams, and that's exactly what happened. And had the <laughs> and had the Bucks now in Seattle uh, to hang in, and they got the cover by the half. Uh, it was six and a half when we were taking it midweek last week on Three Dog Thursday. So now you're going with Kyler Murray and company, and there there's no sugarcoating or hiding this. This is a big topic in the Tampa Bay area uh, right now. The Buccaneers' defense and secondary in specific has been torched over and over and over again by anybody that wants to throw on them. So it's like the it's like Missouri, the show me state. Show me that you're better. Show me that you've improved, or I won't believe it. And so, and Kyler Murray and I'm sure Cliff Kingsbury are ready to dial it up and test that secondary. Let's see. The difference may be the Buck pass rush may affect him. Loud crowd with the Bucks finally back at Raymond James Stadium. Let's see if that happens. But one consistent thing has been the Bucks have given up pass yardage and points to everybody they've played for the last six or seven games. It's almost been a track meet. Try to outscore the other team. So very interesting yeah, that you go with the Cardinals. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And we we hit on a lot of these matchups uh, when you called into our podcast uh, for our daily uh, fantasy uh, podcast preview. I think there's a bunch of uh, DFS opportunities on both sides of the <laughs> right. ball. Yes. I mean, if you, I mean, I I'm a guy who's probably going to bet the Cardinals and still have a uh, a DraftKings lineup with uh, Jameis Winston in it. So I, I think this could be a real back and forth affair, and that's why I think it'll just be tough for the the Bucks to cover that four and a half. It feels like this game could come down to a field goal uh, one way or the other, and uh, that's why I, I like getting the four and a half. Well, it might be interesting. I know I said on your show Mike Evans, who's been killing everybody uh, when he's got one-on-one coverage. Mike Evans with 23 catches with over 340 yards receiving the last two weeks alone. 
Uh, but he's going to go against Patrick Peterson in this game. So maybe it's yeah. the two receiver. Maybe it's Chris Godwin, uh, that the guy that you would play for Daily Fantasy. We'll see. And we'll see if Larry Fitzgerald has a big game against the Bucks secondary in this one. You, you might be right on lining it up. couple minutes left. Hey, I got bookend games that I'm looking at strongly. L.A. Chargers Thursday night with the Oakland Raiders. Now, you may be hearing us on the weekend, and you may already know that the Charger-Raider game was a great game, or, or maybe the Chargers wiped them out, or Oakland wiped them out at home. We don't know that at the time that we're talking. I'm, I'm I'm going in on the front end expecting that one to be a wild one. The Chargers with a great win. You're in L.A., Ryan. I mean, they beat the Packers uh, there in L.A., and I don't know that it even registered because LeBron and the Lakers are winning. Uh, You've got USC trying to fire Clay Helton. You've got the Rams. The the Chargers get that big win on the the Packers. Was that on, like, page 7 of the L.A. Times? Did anybody even care? (laughs) Nothing nothing registers uh, when it comes to Chargers news. Uh, that's why they're considering moving the team to London. I would say uh, plastic plastic straws are more popular than the uh, Chargers in Los Angeles, uh, TJ. So it's uh, – and, again, this is an interesting game because uh, the Chargers, they, they beat the uh, Packers. I was uh, – I didn't really kind of see that coming. But now maybe a bit, uh, if you look at the line, a bit of the overreaction now because they're going on the road on the short week to Oakland. And uh, Oakland's looking like right now they're a home dog. So that's it feels like a bit of an overreaction for the Chargers team. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I know I've been traveling a bunch. Oakland beat the Detroit Lions, who have a winning record, or at least are good. They beat them last week at home, and now they stay at home. So we'll we'll see, yeah. we'll see if what happens with Thursday and then the final game of all the mayhem for this weekend, including Alabama, LSU, and college, and all these NFL games, uh, is coming Monday night. I, I I just saw this Seahawks team. I saw what Russell Wilson did on Sunday, and I'm seeing six and a half, six or six and a half points at San Francisco with the 49ers without Quan Alexander, their defensive leader. I like that game. I, I, I need to be talked out of. Why would I not take the Seahawks after I just watched them when I'm getting points there? You want to try to talk me out of that? Well, I mean, I think certainly if you like the Seahawks decide or, you know, it, it's rare to get a MVP candidate at quarterback catching six, six and a half in a division game in a game that they'll certainly be uh, up for. I think if you're on the San Francisco side or, or you're trying to look at, like, what are you missing – I think a couple things that jump out at me is uh, the Seahawks are missing their center, and uh, maybe it didn't matter as much against the uh, Bucks defense. They weren't able to take advantage of that. But this San Francisco 49ers defensive line is legit, and uh, that could come into play, although you have a super mobile uh, Russell Wilson to kind of counteract that. But I think missing the center, uh, that might, kind of, that might uh, show up in this game. And then another thing I would look at again is uh, San Francisco coming off that Thursday night game. So they get a couple extra days to prepare, a couple extra days of rest. And uh, there were kind of moments in that Arizona game where they looked a little bit uh, flat, maybe looking ahead to this Seattle game. So I think those are the things that if I was going to back the Seahawks would be uh, concerning to me. But, yeah, I mean, Russell Wilson catching – I mean, Russell Wilson – uh, as an underdog, has has been a uh, historically a pretty good trend. Yep. I think he's. I got it right here. Twenty one and seven against the spread <laughs> as an underdog. That's really good. And seven, eight, eighteen and seven ATS in night games. So, in the same way that Tom Brady normally shows up in prime time, especially as an underdog, uh, I think you can apply a lot of the same principles to Russell Wilson. But as you saw with your Bucks' ability to move the ball up and down the field. 
Um, yeah, there's some serious concerns on this uh, Seattle defense. Well, we'll find out on Monday night. We I love the info. I love the stats and the info. This is what you get on the Sports Gambling Podcast. Sean Green, tell them more about the show, the site, where they can find all your stuff, social media, et cetera. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, check us out, sportsgamblingpodcast.com, and uh, wherever great podcasts are downloaded, get it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and uh, make sure you check out the episode we put out Tuesday with uh, you, TJ. We talked uh, Daily Fantasy, hit on uh, hit on some Bucks info, uh, a couple other uh, players and matchups we liked in that game, and then we uh, later on in the episode, we throw out like our full weekly DraftKings lineup. So a lot of info, and uh, again, yeah, weekly college, weekly NFL, and weekly daily fantasy for you. Yeah, great stuff. Again, Sports Gambling Podcast, at Gambling Podcast on Twitter. Follow him at Sean T. Green, S-E-A-N, Sean T. Green on Twitter. Love the insight. You're going Tulsa living, I'm not going to sing it, living on Tulsa time Friday night, Tulsa <laughs> UCF. And uh, that a Friday night game in the American Conference, and then he likes the Bengals, uh, the Bungles, or, or will they be the Bengals uh, this week uh, against the Baltimore Ravens on the road? He likes two road dogs, Arizona Cardinals against my Buccaneers, taking the four and a half. We'll see how it goes with those underdogs. Sean, thank you as always. I appreciate the insight. Let's see if your role continues, especially in the NFL. You also, uh, by the way, had Virginia Tech against Notre Dame uh, last week. So nicely done on that. This man is rolling along with the doggies. Continued success. Thank you, sir. All right. Take it easy, TJ. And that will do it for this edition of Three Dog Thursday. I say thanks to my roll call of guests, Gary Seegers, Winning Cures Everything podcast. Find that wherever you look for podcasts at Winning Cures Everything and also the YouTube show. John Clayton, the professor, formerly with ESPN, does a great job still on the radio out in Seattle, 710 ESPN, five days a week as the midday host. Also read him in the Washington Post as well, WashingtonPost.com. John Clayton, great NFL insider. Also, uh, Brian Edwards of Major MajorWager.com, MajorWager.com with all the insight on all the sports, uh, particularly college and NFL football, but he's got UFC there, college basketball, NBA basketball, MajorWager.com, and also Brian EdwardsSports.com. Uh, love him with going with those underdogs, including taking Illinois uh, as an underdog yet again in college football. Also, Sean Green here from the Sports Gambling Podcast. He was just recently with us as our final guest with uh, a couple of NFL underdogs, uh, a couple of road dogs, and a significant one with the Cincinnati Bengals. Good luck to all of our guys and their underdog picks. Again, I'll go over my underdogs uh, that I like for this week, in particular in college football. Florida State at Boston College. With the coaching change, I think they'll settle down. I think the offense will be better. I think Boston College has been proven to be vulnerable, especially at home. Give me the Seminoles, early Saturday game, getting points to win the game at BC. And I also like Kansas State there at Texas. They have covered now the last two weeks as an underdog. Last week on the road against the rival Kansas, beat Oklahoma outright as the underdog at home, beat Mississippi State out of the SEC earlier this year on the road outright as an underdog. Give me them as the doggy at Texas with the seven points in that one. And in the NFL, I saw the Seahawks firsthand. 
I'll still take them on Monday night football at the unbeaten 49ers, Russell Wilson and company. I think they will find a way to get it done. No, their defense is not what it's been, but I think they can score enough to win that game. So I'll take the points and the Seahawks on Monday night football. So there you go. There are my underdogs to, to add to what the group does. Again, subscribe to this podcast, however you found it through Red Circle Podcasting, social media link. Uh, however you found it, subscribe. It'll come automatically to you on your handheld device through iTunes, through Spotify, through Google Podcast, etc., etc. Subscribe to Three Dog Thursday. Rate and review the podcast. It'll help it move up in the rankings. But again, it comes automatically to you whenever the new show is up on Thursdays. Enjoy all the games. I'm TJ Reeves. My thanks to my guests. Let's see what happens, including LSU and Alabama. I think Alabama wins, and they might win convincingly in that one. And wait for the college football playoff rankings to sort out over the next two or three weeks because they absolutely will before we get to championship Saturday on December the 7th. That'll do it here for this edition of Three Dog Thursday. I'm TJ Reeves. Enjoy the games. Bye.